This is your coffee break. Hey friends, I am back again this week with a wonderful duo of interviewees that I'm so excited to introduce you to. I have with me today Eli McElveen and Sean Howard, the creators of Alba Salix Royal Physician, which is a audio drama podcast that I think you should definitely be listening to. So welcome to the show, Eli and Sean. Hello, thank you. Thank you so much. I can't believe you did that in one take. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I want to. I have to point out for listeners that it's so cute because when you, when Sarah does the, the opening, she pauses and actually dances to the music that she can hear in her ears. It's so cute. Thank you. Oh, I'm so excited to have you guys on the show today. Um, Sean and Eli, I met uh, recently at a podcasting convention. And uh, we ended up on the plane together on the way back, just the three of us seated in a row talking about writing and creating. And um, they're just, they were so inspiring. And I'm just so excited to have them on the show today. I would love to hear a little bit about, I guess, how you got into being creators. Being creators. uh, That'll be all you. (laughs) And you. Um, uh, well, in terms of audio drama, it's something I'd been listening to all my life. I, I kind of grew up on it, um, public radio up, up here in Canada, um, but always been interested in, in writing and, and storytelling. I was always big on, on uh, creative writing classes in, in school and just kept that up. In university, I went into the radio and, and did a stint at volunteering at the, the radio station and got a chance to produce a comedy show and and do the occasional bit of writing for it as well and just sort of stuck with it well let's be honest then we did nothing for 10 years mm. <laughs> little 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 bits around the edges it was one of those things where I'd, I'd sort of write a script and then we might sort of have a, a test reading and it wouldn't go anywhere for a long time and then yeah then in 2014 2011, 2011 Eli started just going and he started writing these characters that would become Alba and Magnus and all these characters. And we had been involved sort of not directly, but on, we had been involved a little bit in the community theater scene, but more as like lighting designer, sound designer, Sean's lighting, I'm sound. And then Eli just kept writing and we had a little bit of a a writing group and we started reading and then we brought our community theater friends together. And now if I had known at the time, because I started just producing, Sean here, um, I started just producing. If I had known at the time what was involved to do a full cast audio production in studio with over 10 people, Alba never would have happened. It is a little crazy. We, we piled into our, our dining room, which we like lined with quilts and, and pillows stuffed in every <laughs> conceivable shelf and uh, put mics around and sort of squeezed in there. We had a blanket over the door and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd sort of dodge in there to give notes and, and then go back outside to sit and listen. Yeah, so that's how we recorded episode one and two of Alba and then we recorded it in like Anyway, so different it, studios, yeah, tiny little places good. that people had access to after hours, kind of thing. Yeah. And the funny thing about Alba Salix is, we had it out of our system. We were done, 
right? Like this was in 2014 that it released. So from 2011 to 2014, we put it out in the world. We we won an award, the Mark Time Award. So we went down to Kansas City or somewhere for this bizarre little conference. We, and we got this little award. And they were charging like a dollar a slice for the cake that had the name of the award on it. It was just a – it was a fun time. It was very bizarre. And then we put it to bed, right? We're done. We, we're moving on with our lives. Speak for we're yourself. Both, well – we were both very busy. So, again, Eli had ideas of things to On do. On the way back from that, though, in the car, we were thinking of, of uh, like, a smaller show that we could produce uh, that, that was less demanding in terms of production and, like, coordinating actors. And basically, on the drive home, we came up with the spinoff show, which is The Axe and Crown. Basically, Sean never wanted to do 10 people again. Well, I tough. don't blame you. Because it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. We are in the middle of season two. So... But so we come up with the idea, but then nothing really happened, right? Like, you know how it is. Like, when you're not actively, once you say, I'm going to take a short break, it becomes six months, it becomes a year. And one day I walked past Eli's computer. And traditionally, with Alba, way back in 2014 in Audio Drama World, we could have like 500 downloads a month. And that was a good month. Or, you know, we'd make it on RDR and we'd get a few thousand. I walked by his computer one day and there were like, 7,000 downloads one month and it was climbing there was this curve just going up and I remember being like what's that and Eli was like oh those are the stats for Alpha that he'd just been tracking quietly and that was when I was like oh my and of course now we're over 15,000 a month it's still climbing and I was like we have to get back to work on this and so that's so I so that's where Action Crown came from, and now season two, and now our new spinoff show. Congrats on all your success! This is so cool, and I have so many questions I want to ask now. Um, I, I want to know about doing nothing for ten years because <laughs> I've I've talked to so many creators, and I am I'm in this. I, I graduated from college, and then I didn't create anything for about ten years, and um, I was busy with with work. I was busy with social stuff. T tell me a little bit about doing nothing for 10 years, but then getting back into it. Well, I've been pursuing the occasional bit of music. Uh, I've been in a band with uh, someone who's now in our cast, uh, but also just occasionally dipping my toe and writing a script here and there. It was always sort of in the back of my mind kind of churning, but I was still very much learning what to do with characters and, and how they fit into plots and things. When, when I was in writing for stuff for the, the actual radio station where I had a good, you know, recording setup, didn't have a faintest clue how to write. So I think it's really funny when you think of us, when you think of creators, we don't value what we do and we don't value the time that goes into gestating something. Right, we're supposed to be producing so many words, and 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 then it's also really easy to take a break and just live a life and try to pay rent and have a job, and so I think all that stuff was happening. Now, Eli though is someone that goes really deep, really fast. I'm like high. I just stay high level. I just I dabble. I'll come home one week, and Eli will have. He just had electronics all over our house, and he had soldering. I, I couldn't breathe. It was like he was building electronics for about three months, and then three months later, he's doing experimental music really crazy deep. And and so he's someone that just sort of like goes into these things. And so those would be like 
it's easy to, I think, feel like, oh, I'm not doing anything because I haven't created anything that's out in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's not till I think we look back at the end of all those little things, we realize how much of it we now use in Alba. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that you do, Sean. Like, you got interested in film, and the next thing I knew, you had borrowed a camera or something like that, like like a film camera, and were, was learning to um, change film in a bag on the dining room table before the night before a shoot. Well, it wasn't a shoot; it was my it was a feature film. It was my second, yeah, my second thing, of course. Yeah, yeah. So we both have that sort of like go deep, uh, play with things, but then walk away from them and feel like we're a failure. I understand that. I understand that so well. It ties in with eternal curiosity which I think is essential if, if you're going to be a creator. And then just living creatively, living in a place where, yes, your home is filled with weird uh, electronics <laughs> and experimental music. And, and, and I love that you're willing to dive in and try it and do it and just go with what moves you and just keep doing that. I also think it's interesting that you say that each of these is a, is a failed attempt um, because in a way it's not, right? In a way it's, like you said, exactly. everything comes back. You know, I have in my office, I'm looking around right now, I have like projects everywhere. I have like things that I've like started knitting and I have yep. paintings, even though I'm not good at painting. <laughs> and I have like all of my craft supplies and I have my podcasting equipment and I have like, like this weird stack of paper that like, why do I have this? Oh, for a weird project <laughs> that I'm never going to finish. But it's never really a failure. If you start, if you learn something along the way, if you enjoy the process of creation, I think that you are still living into being a creative person. And that is that is very important still. 100%. I just think it's really easy to have that voice that says, mm -hmm. oh, you didn't finish that either. Mm -hmm. Or that. Or that. And it's funny, I was thinking about creating a show. And the the bar is is really low right in that we all have access to this audio format and now we have more and more we have access to self-publishing we have access to getting things into the world we're often trying to find our voice which is such a painful process while we're also trying to create something that's not out there a lot of us are getting in this because like we love this stuff but there's not x and when we start down a path of trying to create X that's not out there, it's really scary because we're not sure. We're not sure when, when we've even achieved X, right? It's, we're not sure when to stop, when it's right, or when it's good enough. And so I think you could also reframe this constant exploring of things that don't become anything as a way of saying, okay, I was trying that. It's not, it's not, I'm not feeling it right now. And I want to try something else. And so I think that exploration mm -hmm. can be very important, but it's really hard when <laughs> that's all you have going on and you don't have anything outputting to not feel the weight of that. Yeah. Especially when you're doing something that is kind of new and groundbreaking and, and doesn't have, there isn't anything quite like it. Like mm -hmm. with Alba, at least I had this kind, of, this kind of template in mind, which was very much based on like BBC sitcoms on the radio. So I sort of had a, a goal that I was working towards. If it's if it's something less defined, like what well, girl in that. space pod, like yeah. I can't even imagine what that was like. You you talked about on the plane just going into your was it your sound bubble or what yeah. do you call it? My tube. Going into your tube and just being alone and staring at a wall and being like, what am I 
doing? Absolutely. And I'm hearing some very interesting things in what you're saying. Part of that, you know, you talk about, is this working? I'm trying a new thing and I'm also trying to discover my voice. What are we weighing that against? Is it just a comparison game? Like, are we just comparing it to things that already exist and thus, you know, not really validating this cool new thing that we could be creating? I'm just, I'm so interested in this. Mm-hmm. I tend to be the kind of creator that that I see like an established form and, and sort of work in it for a long time until I figure out how I can make it my own. I'm the opposite. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm, I, there's no walls. I'm just out there. I feel like I'm flailing. And, and then I feel like I have something and then we do a reading and it bonds and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I guess I don't yet. Right. Well, um, how, do, how do you know when it bombs? Like, how do you know it bombs? Does it just not feel right? Or does it not have the chemistry you're looking for? Or what does, what does that mean? Well, in audio, And I think in writing for us, we are now firm believers in reading our work. Mm -hmm. So we have a writing group where we have a third individual and we all read a piece. And even though we all have it in front of us and we could all just read it and give notes, the person who wrote it reads it. And it has really transformed, I think, how I look at my writing. Mm -hmm. But in our audio drama work, we put the cast in a room and we do a reading. And I don't know how to explain it other than you just know. You you see, char- you see actors suddenly having trouble saying lines mm-hmm. because they're not the right voice. You, you see everyone just sort of trying to laugh but not laughing. Because like, when it's right and it's comedy, the whole room just erupts. Like it's just, It just feels good. And sometimes it's not there. Right? Sometimes you just don't have it. And you know when you get it read. Yes. I love that. I always encourage, no matter what you're writing, if you're a poet, if you're an audio drum, audio dramatist, audio, I don't know, audio Ooh, drama writer. I like that term. <laughs> uh, or if you're, if you're a novel writer, if you're writing your memoirs, read it aloud, see how it sounds. And that's why it's so important to absorb other types of media. It's why it's so important to read oh, yeah. and watch and listen uh, to mm-hmm. other types of media. So you develop an ear for what works and what doesn't. So you can sort of build up your own discernment as to, you know, and what is, is what I'm doing uh, working? You talk a little bit about writing comedy. Is it just Eli or do you both kind of have roots in comedy? Uh, I've, I've done production work on comedy and that's sort of how I sort of got started. I wrote comedic stories in, in school, but it's a mood that I sort of gravitate towards. I can't take a drama seriously if it doesn't have at least a little bit of humor in it because that that brings the characters to life for me but eli has more of a grounding as a comedy writer so i've been trying i guess i'll say i've i've been working to write some scenes and i'm involved in the writing in season two and it's interesting because with this other project we're doing i've gotten back in improv and that is so much more natural (laughs) in bad english for me as a form. Let's see, you're both in comedy, you're both kind of on different sides of comedy, there's the writing, Mm -hmm. maybe, and then the more performing. If someone is looking to develop, because I agree that comedy, it's often overlooked, but it's so important in a story and in the human experience. Um, How do people go about developing uh, a sense for that? If they're like, I want a little bit of comedy in my work, like, where do they even start? What's the guy's book that I love? Oh, uh, Sean and I are very fond of a book uh, by Steve Kaplan uh, called The Hidden Tools of Comedy. And he is all about comedy that that emerges from character Mm. as opposed to just here as a joke. 
it's the difference between what's funny and comedy. And I think one of the reasons that comedy is overlooked, and I love that you use the human experience, uh, Sarah, I think it's so dead on for comedy. Comedy is one of the original art forms, and I think it's a powerful way to explore the human condition and our experience. But that's the difference between, I think, comedy and funny. And because funny is just a joke that could be funny or not funny, I think they've sort of become conflated a bit. And so comedy has sort of been pushed down the ladder in in standing, both as an art form, right? As a writer of comedy, you generally don't get as much respect as a writer of a other serious form. show. Yeah. Serious, but yeah, serious literary things. He, Kaplan really explores this idea uh, of these different tools that about how this human condition can express itself. And so one of the ones that I love is a character who believes and is driven to accomplish something beyond anything, but has none of the skills required to do it. And it's such a place that I can relate to in my life, wanting to try something new. And it is funny in the right lens. Like it is, and it's moving and it's... Well, the struggle is what makes us identify with it. I think the struggle is really important. And it's something that we look at in improv too. Uh, This idea that it has to be grounded and believable. You have to have a motivation uh, for comedy. And it's hard in improv, you're trying to do that on the fly with no preparation. You're just walking in and someone's giving you an offer for who you are. Yeah. Basically, we love that book. If anybody's trying to get into comedy, there are so many books, but that book, I, it's by my bed. I read it like every other night. <laughs> I love that. I'll make sure that I have a link to that in the show notes for today's episode, as well as to your other, to all of your shows, including an upcoming show that I want to talk mm-hmm. to you a little bit about. So you started off with Alba Salix, Royal Physician, which was your first mm-hmm. audio drama back in 2011. And you sort of moved into a spinoff, The Axe and Crown. And now mm-hmm. you are sort of working on a very different type of um, audio experience that's still related to the world you've created. Um, I would love to hear a little bit about that. So, yeah, we, we started a new show. Sean came back from uh, PodCon in uh, last year. Uh, just having found out about actual play podcasts where you play role-playing games and uh, just got completely hooked on especially the Adventure Zone, which is the biggie in the space right now. I wore headphones for like all day. No one could talk to me. If anybody tried to talk to me, I'd be like... (laughs) I just hear him burst out laughing randomly at the kitchen in the kitchen at the, the Mac. It was brothers. like 180 hours worth of adventure zone that I just mainlined <laughs> right into my veins. And then of course, you know, I came across join the party, another great one. So, so yeah, I became very interested in the explosion that's happening in live play role playing games. And just to set it up, that's where, you know, like as a, as a 15 year old kid, it just reawoke in that, it reawoke, reawoken, reawakened. what? Reawakened. <laughs> that 15-year-old kid in me sitting up all night playing D&D or, or some role-playing game. So we wanted, I wanted to explore that format, but we wanted to do it in a way that was story first. And so, because that's sort of a strength of the Alba world, and then through a weird series of decisions i don't know how we ground them we decided to place it in the alba universe however we're taking three players and me as a gm and we're putting them in an existing world where there's canon and we're using an improv based format 
So we have to, we had to find a way. It was sort of a cool, you know, how some of the most creative things come out of a really tight constraint. It was like that. We had to find a way that we could role play and allow players to make offers of things that were happening in the world that they want to introduce and not have to be like, oh, no, you can't do that because Alba's world, Alba, yeah. the world of Alba won't allow that. And it's not like these are our favorite movies and we know them all by heart and we all have an idea of how the world works. Mm -hmm. This is just this thing that, that has just lived in my head mostly for, for a long time. By mostly, he means entirely. It's all in Eli's head, and I'm running the game, not Eli. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it helps, though, that it is the kind of comedic world where you can play kind of fast and loose. So we wanted to create a role-playing game that was accessible the way Join the Party did, where, which is a great. If anybody's, like, not sure about role-playing, it's a great way to it's start. excellent introduction to D&D. So we wanted to play with that kind of accessibility, but I wanted to find that space, right? I wanted to find that space where what could we do? There's some amazing improv story building out there, like Mission to Zix. It's stunning. And so we sort of settled on this idea of improv or an improvised, improv-based tools um, for telling a shared story with role-playing. The hard part, or the fun part, too, has been giving it that Alba feel of that yeah. universe. Yeah, so we've built out a, a corner of the Alba world, and then <laughs> for a little more epic feel, we this this takes place... Um, well, spanning, at the, spanning at the centuries. end of time. Yeah, there are. Yeah, they're jumping around in time. They're jumping around in space, and and you get to see a lot of different corners. But not outer space. We're leaving that to you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Me and Mission to Zix and all of the other all of the other <laughs> yes. sci-fi shows. That mm -hmm. is so cool. Yeah. I... So that's a show. It's called The End of Time and Other Bothers, and it's coming out in April. Oh boy. Wonderful. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have a, uh, a link to that in the show notes for this episode, because by the time this airs, I believe your show will be out already. So uh, it's kind of exciting. getting heart palpitations. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I hear you've already recorded the first episode. We have three episodes in the can. Oh, episode one is done. We, we, uh, we're bringing in a Baba Yaga character. Uh, who, is, who is going to be sort of our narrator. So she she's, comes in Friday. That's the last piece. She's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. so you're Episode like frame storying it. There's, there's yes. frame stories and yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the framing stories are also improv, which was really an interesting, cool. with the exception of the narrator. But we may move that into improv as well. So yeah. we actually have a, a, we have a frame answer. for a frame for the first episode. <laughs> that a little crazy. But, but we wanted to play with like ABC, like, like in a book. We wanted to play with the different storylines. And we wanted to say, could we do that in a role playing? Because normally in role playing, you just follow the group around. And we do some of that. But yeah. I love that. And I, I think that D&D &D and other role playing games, uh, you know, just to be honest, I'm a huge D&D &D pathfinder, what have you, uh, <gasps> sort of nerd. And I've been playing for, for years and years. And it's seen as this like nerdy activity. But I want to latch on to something that you said earlier, and that was um, shared stories and community storytelling. What a great way to sort of get out of your box. If you are a writer, if you're a struggling creative, to sit down with a group of friends and try telling a story together. Um, it's just a really beautiful experience that I think uh, it does not get the credit it deserves. Yeah. So. Well, two of our players uh, were... Among the people we assembled when we, I first came up with the idea for Alba Salix and just had people over for a brainstorming session. And 
came up with all kinds of crazy ideas. We didn't, I don't think we used anything from that in, in our first season, but it was such a freeing moment of here are, are, is this universe of possibilities that I hadn't uh, envisioned on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? I've never thought of role playing in that way, but you're right. It is a beautiful, fun experience to tell a story together. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I don't think, yeah, I don't think we give it the credit it deserves. And I think one of the things that uh, I haven't heard on other shows before that that I think we're uh, moving towards with End of Time is that it is more about role, uh, about improv games. Like there are moments in some of the the episodes we recorded this weekend where the players are throwing suggestions at you, the GM, Sean, and and you're rolling with them. Oh, wait, well, that's all I do. Yeah. So there's a scene where um, I bring them into a briefing room, and there's an NPC, a character, who starts briefing them. It is the worst bit of storytelling <laughs> in the world. I make the joke that it's like SG-1 exposition times 10. Oh, oh that's oh. terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bad. Like It's just, like I have so much world building to explain. And listening back to it, I was like, oh, there's just, there's no life left. And there's no story here, right? It's just a person telling about the world to them. And they're all in shock. Um, So we re-recorded that scene. And it was really funny because I I had the character walk in and there was a slide that was the name of the, it was like. She's giving a PowerPoint. She's giving a PowerPoint. And it's, our first slide is the Academy and you. And I have her just start talking. And then I say, and the next slide is, and I just look to the table. I didn't even tell them. And one of them just blurted out a funny title. And then she went and did that. And fun things to do in the town of Paradox. (laughs) So it actually was really awesome. Because at the end, when we listened to the scene, it was so fun and vibrant. And yeah, so it was a, just a great example to your earlier point about, which I now want to think about in writing, about sometimes when you have, like, I now wonder if I had a part of a story that wasn't working, what would it be like to just role play it or improv it? That is really cool. Oh my gosh, I encourage you to try that. Do it. Yeah, I'm going to try it now. Do it. And yeah, and <laughs> it's, it's, I think it, it deals with, with something that a lot of writers deal with. And part of the the issue that is the isolation of a writerly lifestyle is that we often don't think to ask for help. We don't think to to workshop things with a group of friends. And I think we totally should be doing that. So thank you for sharing that. It can, you know, though, it can be hard to workshop our work because a lot of people don't know how to do a workshop. But role playing, people do know how to do. It's really a cool. It's a really cool well, idea. The idea of games is so powerful because. It is this space where you can feel free to, to well, play and, and experiment and that the, there is less pressure. I think the three of us are writing a book. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> oh, I love it. What is your absolute favorite thing about writing? What is it that draws you to this medium so much? That's totally new. <laughs> I just like making stuff up and... and there was this part of me, part of my brain that just loves shoving ideas together and and extrapolating kooky things from from stuff I read. Uh, just seizing on random facts I learn um, from a book or TV or Wikipedia and going that that would be great if I combined it with this other thing. So I'm my I'm I'm just constantly collecting odd little bits like that. This is just an outlet for all of them. It was funny because when Eli was first writing, he avoided conflict like you would not believe, like a Canadian. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> says, says, says the American. Yeah. 
And it's been really interesting watching him step into conflict and, and own it and make it. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that, because I think that that's something that a lot of new writers have trouble with, is that they yeah. maybe remain a little too passive or their characters <laughs> remain too passive. Tell me a little bit more about conflict. Yeah, well, a part of it is, is like if I've invented this world, uh, I, I tend to spend a lot of time just sort of setting things up and, oh, here's how this, this nifty thing works in, in this, this situation, this setting. And then I don't want to bust it. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, go in and, and have those scenes where, where, you know, the place gets blown up or, or, or characters disagree with each other. Oh my God. And so learning to, to put them at odds and figure out, the driving forces, their motivations that, that cause them to be at odds with each other has is, is been really important. I think a lot of writers are like, like, we're like, oh, we have to have strong motivations. But you need strong motivations that are in conflict with something. Yes. And I think having other writers, like a little writing group, we have a little writing group, we just meet, well, we haven't met in a couple of weeks, but we just do a Skype call and we all just read. And it's really refreshing, I think, to have other writers be able to call out like, what do you, like, this would be so funny if you just had them do the thing that they they're not saying they yeah. just have you're, them you're, act you're out. pulling your punch here can you give me more of this and yeah i think for me one of the big lessons was it's not just conflict it's making that conflict clear mm-hmm. making the motivations clear so that that it it kind of drives the point home if if, if everything's kind of muddy and everyone's just kind of a little bit disagreeing for a whole bunch of reasons each then it doesn't go anywhere if there's one solid reason that they each have, then that that helps the audience to kind of climb on board. And just don't say what, don't have the character say what the conflict is. <laughs> that helps too, yeah. Right? That's Cause, the, cause it's the a common audience, thing, right? The audience is going to sniff it out. Yeah. yeah. It's way more interesting if you just have them act it. Yeah. Yes. Do yes. it without saying it. Yeah. Show, don't tell, you know, the, yeah. 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 <laughs> Easy to say, so hard. Oh, oh, yes, yes. And the easiest things to say, like, oh, just make that simpler. Or, <laughs> hey, you know, just do this. Just do this. Uh-uh. That's, that's the worst and hardest, absolutely the hardest stuff. And it's, it's something worth working on in your craft every day. You guys are wonderful. I love talking to you. I am so happy we happened to meet and that you just happen to be so amazing. I want to direct listeners today to check out all of their shows, Alba Salix, Royal Physician, The Axe and Crown, and then their upcoming show, The End of Time and Other Bothers, which will probably be released by the time this episode comes out. And if it's not, then uh, be sure to keep it on your radar. Keep checking for it. Um, if people are interested in just learning more about you, do you have a website? Where do they go? What do they do? Yeah. Well, first, they got to go to Girl in Space Pod. <laughs> Oh, you guys. Gosh. Love that show. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, but our shows, all, all of them, will you will find them at albasalix.com. Which a- is impossible to spell. A-L-B-A-S-A-L-I-X.com. And you'll find them all there. Wonderful. Sarah, this was so sweet and yeah. so wonderful to be on your show. I can't tell you what an honor it is. I, I was just saying, I just love your... I love this show so much. And it's, it's just weird to be like... <laughs> it's weird for me to be on the show. I don't know. It's like, oh, this is, what? is this something? Yeah. <laughs>